0: Welcome to All Things Tibet, a podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. We'll be coming to you with brand new episodes every Tuesday. If you want to tweet along as you listen, feel free to use the hashtag AllThingsTibetPod. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: This is All Things Tibet, episode seven. I'm Brittany. Today we have a very special guest with us, our friend Amber. Can you say hello, Amber? Hey, y'all. So today is all things bet. We're going to talk about all things bet Porter. And we brought Amber on, well, one, because we love her, but two, because she has been watching the L Word since the very beginning. But I'm going to let her tell a little bit more about that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with the L Word, Amber?
2: I, um first heard about the L word, I used to subscribe to Curve magazine, which was a exclusively lesbian publication. Back then, we didn't have a whole lot of internet access. You know, that was more of a luxury than a staple. And I had been subscribing to Curve probably since uh, my military years, the mid 90s. That was a just a, a peek into the lesbian community on a global stage. So anyway, I I first read about the prospects of Showtime developing this show from Curve magazine. I think it was in 2002-ish, and that's back when it was called Earthlings. And they introduced some of the cast in the article um, that Jennifer Beals, and which all I knew about Jennifer Beals at that time was that she was the star of Flashdance, which I remember viewing in the movie theater as a child. My mother took me to that movie. She covered my eyes a lot. I remember that. And uh, I remember telling my partner Kim, "Oh my God, because we had we would watch Queerest Folk, because that was the only queer content that you know we had access to at that time." And I said, "Showtime's developing a, a you know a new series, and but instead of the gay guys, you know, on Queerest Folk, we get to see the ladies, and it's going to be you know it's going to be coming out soon." So that's how I first learned about the L word, and. We were already subscribers to Showtime because we'd watch Queer Folk. And uh, from the day it launched, we watched religiously every Sunday. And sometimes
1: it was just Kim and I. And other times we'd have friends over and we'd watch together. Have you been a Tibet fan? I know you have been a Bet fan, but have you been a Tibet fan since the beginning?
2: I have been a Tibet fan since the beginning. More so a Tibet fan since the beginning than uh, a Bet fan. Mm-hmm. Tibet drew me in because their relationship was along the same timeline, almost to the date of when Bettina, and Tina, if you would do the calculations of when Bettina and Tina started dating to the time that Kim and I started dating from the time Bettina and Tina started planning a family to the time that Kim and I started planning a family to the infidelities and the communication issues, the trust issues. We've lived that life and we lived it nearly
1: identically on their timeline. Wow and you have a you have a daughter as well who's just about the same age that Angie is technically in the show as well.
2: Right right I think Angie was born on the second seat yeah the second season which aired in 2005 and my daughter was born in 2006. Wow that's awesome
1: and you're also a a very big Jennifer Beals fan.
2: Yes I am which stemmed from the L word. Like I said, mm-hmm. all I knew her beforehand was the chick from Flashdance. Mm-hmm. But with the L word, I became a Jennifer Bills. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Laurel Holloman as well. But Laurel Holloman, she just seems so much more accessible mm-hmm. than uh, Jennifer does. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the mystery of Jennifer that keeps me intrigued for all these years. Because she's mm-hmm. so private, it's kind of like trying to unravel a mystery Mm -hmm. so I think that's what about her keeps me so intrigued
1: sure
0: yeah you definitely know where Laurel stands on shit (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah
1: yeah, there is no mystery there
2: right right I mean I was there through all the tweet and deletes uh on Twitter and (laughs) so and, and and Jennifer's just so poised and you know there's just something else there that we can't touch that we can't reach and that's what keeps me just trying to figure it all
1: out. All right. So we'll talk um, first just a bit today about Beth and just a more of her background. So Taylor, do you wanna go over this?
0: <laughs> I mean, sure. So what do we know about Beth? We know that she's the youngest of two, technically, because she has Kit, who's her older half-sister on her father's side her father passed away right before Angie was born and her mom interestingly if i've read between the lines correctly her mom i believe left them at some point when bet was pretty young after melvin cheated on her so i think that i'm sure we'll talk about more because i think it was hugely influential on who bet is as a person she went to Yale which she's very proud of because like most people who go to Ivy League institutions she mentions it at every possible opportunity and technically she went to Yale twice because we know that she got not only her bachelor's degree but also her MFA from Yale and Brittany you and I were talking about this way back when we were like first putting things together for the bed episode she probably got her degree in some actual kind of art making. like, oh yeah. yeah, not art history or art management, because Yale does not give MFAs for either of those things. So mm-hmm. she likely got a master's degree in like, painting or something, which sure. I think is actually really interesting. She has a nephew and before she and tina got together she and alice dated for like five seconds and it was really weird and awkward and those are the things that i got i don't know if either of you wants to add anything else well i think they like we always have
1: to point out there's some plot holes with the l word because it's questionable if did she date alice and then date tina or was she dating alice and then started dating tina
0: because they tell it
1: both ways yeah,
0: because God forbid we pick one story on the L Word.
2: <laughs> oh, L-, L Word is full of inconsistencies, as we all know. If you've watched it more than once, <laughs> you know that it's full of inconsistencies. But the way I see it is she met Tina when she was dating Alice. Mm-hmm. But they were, it wasn't a serious relationship. It sure was me. more, uh, you know, a time filler. Yeah. And sure uh, once she met Tina... And Tina reciprocated when she went to pick up the earring and they kissed, is when she went back and told Alice, look, this isn't working. And anyway, I met somebody else.
1: Peace yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Alice brings up a couple times. Right. Yeah. She's yeah.
0: But yeah, you great. can tell Alice was more invested in the relationship than Beth <laughs> <that> was <laughs> because there's some Absolutely. bitterness there. I don't like, think
2: she was as invested as I think she just likes to talk shit.
0: Oh, that's yeah, true. That's
2: yeah, true. You're yeah. not wrong about that. Because I'm, I'm a shit talker too, and
1: I will rub <laughs> it in anyone's face just to get a reaction. Yep. So we learn a lot about, you know, we did all things Tina, and we really had to fill in a lot of gaps about her because there was things that were alluded to, or these this fanisode and interrogation tapes where we find out this very, like, shocking bombshell information. But with Bet, it wasn't that way. But we were given a lot of information. We see a lot of her behaviors. We have a lot more of her questions are answered about her. And Bet also can see, at least towards the end of the series, she really starts to recognize her downfalls and the things that really have impeded on her relationship with Tina and why Tina and her have been together and then broken up and been together and broken up. So there's not as much guessing as we have to do with Bet. It's really laid out there well for us. I mean she is the star of the show. Right. I would just like to reference again that Laurel Holloman is also second on the cast list and we had a we had a question a lot of things and guests and fill in gaps, but I'm not bitter about that at
0: all.
2: We can't <laughs> hold that against Bet or Jennifer. I mean that's no no
0: you know, no,
2: no, no you know and, and that was a big flaw of the of the show that we had zero backstory on Laurel. Zero. Yeah. Like it wasn't like
0: we had less, we had none. Nothing. Yep. You had more backstory
2: on Max than you yep. had
1: on You had I more backstory on say. Marina, who was in there, yeah. it was in the show for one season than we had for Tina. It's true. It's true. And
2: I, I I still don't get it. I don't know if it was just if it was intentional or completely just I, I don't know. I don't.
0: I really wonder if, this is like complete conjecture. I have no real evidence for this at all. But I wonder if, because I believe the original plan was to have Bette and Tina break up, I wonder if Tina was not originally going to be in the show after a season or two. And so they didn't give her a backstory thinking she would be gone. And then everyone got really attached to them as a pairing. And so they were like, "Oh crap! I guess Tina's got to stick around." It would make sense. Well,
2: if you look back on the past interviews of Jennifer, she talks about asking the universe for this great love story, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the universe to send her this this. And they threw the universe threw a curveball and gave her a (laughs) a woman (laughs) loving women uh, love story. (laughs) But I think she fought for that. Jennifer, not that bet. I think Jennifer fought for that great love story and that's why we have Tibet. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think Jennifer has always been the biggest Tibet shipper. Oh yeah. Hands down. And that's why like when everybody's, I mean, like I get the the Gen Q anxiety, don't get me wrong, but I trust Jennifer.
2: I know. We've all been really... I don't know about we've all, but I know personally I've been really harsh on Marja. But I mean some of it is guys, deserved. right. You guys had, had opened my eyes to, you know, I think it was your 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 first episode you did to just put a little trust in Jennifer and her, her direct because she is not you know a producer and she does have a lot of say so in the direction of her story or of Bet and Tina's story. Mm-hmm. So I think I was just Projecting, I don't know.
1: Our plan is to get into the interviews with both the older fandom, older part of the fandom who's been watching since the beginning, and then the newer part of the fandom who kind of came in when Jen when Jen Q was airing. But I'm going to ask you now, like, what was your reaction when you found out that there was going to be a reboot, and were you expecting Tina and Beth not to be together?
2: I, I can go back on my Instagram page, and uh, <laughs> there's a post that I, you know. Pinch me, am I dreaming, or something like that? Or dreams really do come true? Never in a million years that I expect a reboot. And it was a gift. It was mm-hmm. a, a gift. And I said, from then I didn't care if it was just Jennifer reading the Yellow Pages.
0: <laughs> I
1: don't. I don't know if Gen Z knows what the Yellow Pages is, but uh. I
0: know what the Yellow Pages are, <laughs> Amber.
1: You're not Gen Z. We just had this conversation. You're a millennial, Taylor.
0: Okay, as the person in this call right now closest to Gen Z, I know what the yellow pages are. Okay, great, but I, um, fair enough.
2: I, I would be a supporter of the show no matter what, as long as Jennifer and Leisha, you know, had anything to do with it. But I did keep once I heard of the reboot. I I, I read everything that there was, and I knew that there was a possibility that Laurel wouldn't be uh, available. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of prepared for, for anything. So you weren't super shocked when you
1: saw that, you know, because Laurel were was part of the no, show they were divorced. Of
2: course I was disappointed. Sure. Of course I was disappointed. You know, I, I, I thought they could have came out with a, you know, a, a better reasoning for Laurel not to be present. But again, after listening to you, you guys' first podcast, they do deserve to be reunited on complete because we don't know what happened in those 10 years in between and mm-hmm. we do we do go back to in our old ways and our habits and taking things for granted and we we, we just don't know what happened in between mm-hmm. and we right. didn't have episodes with the reboot so we didn't have a, a lot of backstory there i mean it was only yeah. what, eight episodes yep and mm-hmm. the the first uh season of the original was
1: 14 episodes that's almost twice as much yeah Mm -hmm. i would think based on fan um outrage and outcry that they're gonna have no other choice but to answer some of these questions that we've been having i hope that they would yeah Um, i mean
0: i also i also think logistically like season one of a reboot you're trying to get the audience familiar with the new characters right mm -hmm. so Now, hopefully, that they've had an entire first season to do that, they can make it a little more even and answer some questions and not just be like, we have to focus on the present because you have to get to know the people in the present. We know them now. Can you tell us some stuff that happened, please? We know them, but it Mm. doesn't
2: feel the same as the original. No. It's a whole Mm. different feel, and it's because they're shooting LA for LA. I mean, where as before they were in this bubble, they moved them all to Vancouver. They had to live there for six months. A lot of them were roommates and they formed these genuine relationships with one another
0: Mm -hmm.
2: that we're just not going to get with Gen Q.
1: You also have to look at like the time periods, right? So gen q was filmed in a time that was very focused on social media this like instant reaction of the fandom being really vocal behind the keyboard about how they felt and there wasn't as much of that until in the later seasons in the original series Um, and even then it wasn't like there was twitter facebook or instagram it was like you know message boards and Live journal and MySpace, like it was just a and different very time. Very early
0: Twitter. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was just totally different time.
2: Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, before even MySpace, the chart was a thing that was on the internet. It was an actual website that you could visit and it was a uh, networking website that the L word developed. Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah. basically, Mark Zuckerberg, you owe Eileen Shaken some money. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. And you also have the fact that like we there are a
1: new generation of of viewers, but there's also this pressure being put on the newer cast from the older fans that are saying this is not the same show. But what I also think that I don't like to give Marja a lot of credit, believe me, I don't. I think that there's some really bad choices that she made in Gen Q. But what I will say is that the plan was never for them to it was never supposed to be a continuation of the original series. It was a new reboot of the show. They never promised us that we were going to see all the people that we saw. But I can understand folks like you, Amber, that have been watching for so long. You were left with a lot more questions and answers even after watching the first season of Gen Q. Right. And they could say it's a, a
2: whole new iteration of the show. But you're, you're bringing back three of the original cast members. Right. So it's not a whole new iteration. Yeah. You need to respect... If you're going to bring these people back, you need to respect these backstories. Right? Yeah. No, you are right
1: about that.
0: Where is Tasha? Yes. Where is she? Where's Max and,
1: in the back? Right?
2: Yeah. And Kit. I mean, come on. Yeah. Why did Kit have to go out like that?
1: And we know that Leisha, Kate, and Jennifer are not happy about the fact that there's this outward graveyard, as Kate called it. Like, they're not pleased. Yeah. With, that, with those choices.
2: And that's disappointing. So, well, because I thought they would have had a little more say so in that. Right. I thought Eileen would have had, you know, Eileen should have learned her lesson from all the feedback she got
1: all these years past. But when she killed Dana and when she broke up to butt and all these yeah, hard lessons she had to learn. She could have right. probably just filled Marja in, like, hey, if you don't want to get grief for the entire time that this show is airing and beyond, maybe you don't do this. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> kill off a main character and don't break up Tibet
0: <laughs> wants her to earn her stripes like she did I mean yeah. I don't I mean I think that's part of the reason I'm really intrigued to see what season two is like because I know that at least reading interviews with Jennifer at least she was very cognizant of only putting her thumb on the scale when she absolutely had to Mm-hmm. And felt like it was something that she could actually like speak to. And I think Eileen for, again, all of her mistakes really wanted to be like, this is not my show anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I, it'll be interesting to see how after a year, now that it kind of is solidly Marge's show now, if, eileen and or the three acting eps will feel a little bit better being like i have some thoughts right
1: right so just switching gears a little bit let's talk some about bet because this episode is all things bet so where should we begin here where do do we want to start do we want to start with the fact that bet is self-destructive do we want to start with the fact that bet is always viewed as the alpha in this show but yet when it comes to tina she's not do we want to talk about bet as just as a person like who she is and what she's all about? Where should we begin? We're going to, well, how about, let, yeah, let Amber decide she's our guest today. Where would you like yeah. to start with? Bette? Oh my goodness. Like, Too much pressure. <laughs> what do you like pressure. if you, if you had to, if someone were to ask you, Amber, like what can you tell me, like, like Jessica always says to us, like Jess says 10 words or less, tell me 10 in 10 words less. What's important to know about Bet Porter? It doesn't have to be 10 words.
2: Ten words are, well, let's see. What is there to know about Porter Powerful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Entitled. Yes. Stubborn. Yes. Thank you. Unbelievably gorgeous.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Intelligent. And she's a sucker for, for Tina Cunard.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the truth.
2: Tina, Amen. Uh, uh, Tina gave her that, that nurturing that I think that she didn't get from her mother.
0: Yeah.
2: And and everyone else always fell at her feet because of her influence in the world around her. But Tina saw through, has always seen through all of that and uh, she holds her up when she's weak.
1: I think that that is the thing, right? I think like when we see the initial clips of Bette and Tina meeting for the first time, it does look like Tina is in awe of Bette. But I think as time went on, like you said, like Tina was really able to get at the heart of who that was and no one else in her life except maybe Kit really had the ability to do that.
2: Right. And, and Kit was in and out because of mm-hmm. her own transgressions with her yeah. addiction. Yeah. But Tina was her, her light in the, in the, in the storm, her calm in the storm.
0: Mm-hmm. She's always
2: been her calm in the storm.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think ahead, that's Tina. a really good way to put it because I think, Brittany, you and I were talking about this in a couple of episodes that we recorded earlier, but, like, Tina always gets this bad rap for being boring, right? But I think it with at least for me, part of the thing that makes her and Bet so interesting is that contrast. Like, we see with Bet and Jody, what it's like when there's two of them, like, go butting heads and going at each other, and, like, for me, that wasn't as interesting. So I think mm-hmm. Tina's kind of calm in the storm is what makes Bet it's what makes Bet's storm interesting to watch because there's something mm-hmm. to compare it to.
2: It mm-hmm. grounds her.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. She doesn't know how to be grounded.
2: She never knew how to be grounded. No. She she was always trying to meet Melvin's expectations or yeah. the ex- expectations of her of the Ivy league or the art world. And she humanizes her.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her. You're absolutely right about that. And uh, Taylor, you brought this up in episode, in our first episode of this podcast, that there was a lot of negative feedback about Bet. Being who she was when we meet her again in Gen Q, because she's grieving the loss of her sister, she's grieving the loss of her marriage, she's in a spiral, she's involved in this affair again with this woman who's married to a man. She's deep in the shit again, right? But like to criticize her for being human, the line that you said was, "Do you not want your idol to be unreachable?" I think is what you said. Like, do we want Bet Porter to be a real person, or do we want Bet Porter to just be like this gorgeous icon who sits on the throne? And we bow at her feet. And I think that they did a good job in Gen Q of showing that she has really gone through the ringer as far as emotions go. And she's recognizing the mistakes that she's made along the way. Yeah. If they're going to kill Kit off, they can't bypass the fact that she's mourning the loss of her sister. Right. If they're going to divorce Tibet. They can't have it where Beth's just like out in the streets again, being the same person that she is because there's no way she would have been able to, Bounce back like nothing happened.
0: Yeah. Again, I've said this before too, but I think Kit and Tina were sort of bets to anchors, and she lost both of them very close together. And so I think that it makes sense that in Gen Q, she is a bit adrift. Mm -hmm. I think that that makes sense for, I mean, I think that's a human reaction to. Having two major life losses like that back to back. So, am I excited to see Bet get back up and, you know, put the power suits back on and get going? Sure. But I don't think it's unrealistic for Bet to be kind of off. Cause a year is not that long in like no. the grieving process for either a marriage or a person. Yep. So, I think we got, I think we got to give Bet a little bit of a break on that front.
2: Right. I think she's. I think this bet, Gen Q bet is a lot softer. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, and even when she's having that conversation with Shane and she says, I missed the love I had with Tina. She made me feel alive. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. Like, that's really, that's really what you need to know about who she is in Gen Q.
2: And that, yeah, I believe that, you know, Tina left for whatever reason, which we you know, who knows if we'll ever know but i don't believe it was anything that Bette did. I, people say that she, oh bet must have cheated again and this and that no there's no way when bet promised tina in that car after they 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 uh, brought angie to the hospital that she would never cheat on her again i promise you she never cheated on her again
0: no 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 and i think it was very important to them both bet and tina and jennifer and laurel that that was not the reason for the divorce mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. which not to harp on this, but is another reason that Carrie makes no sense, but that's a different Mm -hmm. rant for a different day. Let's keep talking about that before I get angry again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when we meet Beth in
0: season one, and we're, you know,
1: dissecting season one of the original series at this point, it's very clear to see that like, she is all those things that you had mentioned before, Amber, she is intelligent. She is powerful. She is you know, she's a boss in a lot of ways. But on the flip side, we also can see that when it comes to her being able to check herself emotionally, she lacks so much of that capacity to do so. It's like, remind me who said this when they said like it's Bet's world. I think it was Tina who said like she's Bet sees her own world. It's I think it was Kit. It's Bet yeah, it's it Bet world and we all just live in it. Yes, yep. exactly. And that's a lot of what we see in the beginning for Bet, especially season one into season two. She starts to gain some clarity and like later on in season three, four and five and six. But I would say that's a big theme of who Bet
0: is in the beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's absolutely. definitely got very carefully constructed walls. Yes. Especially at the beginning. And again, looking at what we know about her past, it kind of makes sense because there is a lot of abandonment and rejection there. That mm-hmm. I think Bet is very afraid of experiencing again. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't want to cheapen who Bet is by saying she's only as strong as she is because of her trauma, because that's bullshit. That's not how life works. But mm-hmm. I do think that the part of the sort of alpha aggressive behavior that is taking it a little bit too far, mm-hmm. I think is literally this suit of armor that Bette puts on to protect herself from being hurt the way that she was by her mother, the way that she was by her father, the way that Mm -hmm. she was even by Kit, to a certain extent.
2: Well, you you can go back to the nature versus nurture argument. She was Mm -hmm. never nurtured. Once her mother was abandoned her, technically, her father was there just to drive her. Yeah. And that's who she became, just a driven person. She she doesn't know anything else. That's what she that's knows. True. She knows perfection. She knows yeah. perfection because that's the only type of love she would see is when her dad was proud of her. Right. Yeah. That pride only came from her accomplishments.
1: It didn't that, come from
2: anything else.
1: And it makes sense. It makes sense in that, you know, we see Bets just really becoming a prisoner of her own mind throughout season one right so she is getting a lot of pushback in her job and she is, her and tina have these very glaring obvious communication issues and then they have the miscarriage and it would make sense that instead of leaning in and finding a way to show emotion and heal with tina that she stepped back and just said I'm going to find control in a different way because I cannot control this situation. So she gets involved with this woman who I think in any other instance, I can't even imagine that with someone like, I'm not even going to say her name, someone like the, someone like the plumber. I call her the plumber out of disrespect. I mean it as disrespectfully as possible, but I mean, just think about it. It just, it didn't make a lot of sense, but it made sense in the fact that Bet was seeking some sort of control in her life where she had none. Does it excuse it? No. But it think makes she sense was, when you consider those other factors of who that is.
2: I think she was abandoning control because she was always so in control of everything around her. And she she gave that up because she had to control provocation. She had to control her role in the CAC. She had to control what Tina was going through with the miscarriage. And she was tired. Yeah. She was tired and... She let it all go with the plumber. The pl- when the plumber told her you can't always be in control, she relinquished those reins and let that home wrecking whore. <laughs> she let the this is why we love Amber. <laughs> yeah. Advantage of her because she she had to relinquish control. And she yeah. she just couldn't she couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. She couldn't have all that on her shoulders any longer. It was yeah. too much. It got too heavy. And she collapsed yeah. under the weight
0: of it. Period. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I think that's kind of the thing about Bet, right? Is that she does constantly, very understandably, buckle under the weight of the enormity that is on her shoulders. But the sad slash interesting slash frustrating part is that, so much of that weight so much of the time is stuff that she has willingly picked up and placed upon her own shoulders because that's she all she doesn't knows. know how to share it with others
2: yeah that's all she knows she never had to. right she didn't have her mother there to you know to mother her mm-hmm. she had her father there driving her
0: right yeah she had melvin there dumping more on her shoulders right expect every more. fucking day
1: mm-hmm. yeah. it was never enough yeah and so you do get this figure who is Bette porter who is very entitled because not only does she expect the greatest in her life she has been shown that she could just go after it like it's achievable just keep going and you'll get it so there's this lack of awareness like even in the beginning of season three when Taylor brings this up all the time when Beth's not working, and Tina is panicking because they don't have an income, and Beth's just like she's just so nonchalant about it. I should say she's so nonchalant about it in the real world that she's presenting to her friends and to Tina, but then we see her have this like very emotional, vulnerable moment when Tina's asleep next to her, and she says like, "What if this doesn't work out?" Now we see the fear, but I feel like a lot of the times the issues between Beth and Tina are because they they can't find a way to like properly communicate when they're both having such similar fears yeah. and anxieties and things. And they feel like they're on an island. Whereas if they would just talk to each other, I think that they would have recognized like, oh, we're feeling the same way. We're just dealing with it much different.
2: Bet was trying in season one. She was trying the best way she knew how to try. You know, like when she came home early and it, Tina had to go for a run. She had already made plans and she should have dropped that. She should have yeah. dropped that and they should have worked on them.
1: Oh, yeah, it should. They were like ships in the night. That's how I see them in season one. They're just not even yeah. remotely. They're not even remotely like in the same universe. But what I love most about Bet is the softness that comes from her with Tina. And I think that's why I'm also such a, like, I'm not at the core. I'm not like a humongous Bet fan. I'm definitely more of a Tina fan but I love who Bet is when she's with Tina. For because really? she is much more relatable, more humanistic, more all these things. And we the see her thing, heart. The only thing that I enjoy
2: about when they are not together is the angst of this. Yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see that in season two. Cause you know it's gonna yeah. be there. It better be. God damn it, Marsha, it better be.
0: The angst and Look. the sexual tension.
2: Yes. Yeah, Yes, please. Completely. A, we're coming. We're coming if it's not there.
0: hmm Yeah. <laughs> I have given you so much benefit of the doubt, Marja Lewis-Ryan, if you fuck me on this. This is going to turn into an
1: anti-Gen Q podcast is what it's going to turn into if you don't if you don't <laughs> write some of your fucking wrongs. Or at least explain yourself. Please. I mean, it, it will be. I am looking forward to that angst as well. I think that. Yeah. That's the beauty of... Tina and Beth as well is like they're so interesting to watch no matter what stage of the game they're in and their relationship. When they're together and they're thriving we love watching them but when they're not together it's just as entertaining I feel like. Like I think about the scene when they're screaming at each other in Bet's office like that was some superb acting.
2: It's <laughs> just fucking preschool.
0: Yeah. 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 Black yeah. <laughs> military well, psycho w- dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I watch that scene I'm like Can we please let Jennifer Beals and Laurel Holloman do more comedy, please? Yes.
1: Or can we just see them, can we just see them like just yell it out at each other? We need to see more of that rawness.
0: I mean, at this point, Angie's going to be going to college soon. So it's going to be preschool all over again. But with Angie this time, who clearly we know is not afraid to yell at Beth. Or drop some F-bombs yeah Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite things about gen q is when they're talking about teaching angie how to drive and bet tells that story about how she was teaching angie to parallel park and angie made her get out of the car and go to the (laughs) other side of the parking lot i was like oh you're getting some of your own medicine there bet yep
1: and that's i think that's why angie's character especially now as a teenager is so likable is because she is really the best parts of both of them both Bet and tina
0: Absolutely. And it's, it's
1: she's if anybody dislikes her, I really would like to have a word with them because there's how can you dislike this character? She's just she's the she's best thing, great. the best thing to happen for Jen Q. She is oh, yeah, the absolutely. best. They did character. a fantastic job casting her. Yeah. She's amazing.
2: Yep. She's amazing. And that's another reason I okay, we to go back to the angst, that's another reason why I think they allowed them to be divorced. Instead of just Laurel off shooting somewhere because they knew from the past six seasons how much that angst brought the fandom to, to our knees and, and then out of our seats. Yeah. Well, I, will they are, never, they? I will never forget when they kissed in Shibar, as oh, it yeah. aired originally. If I did not jump three feet off of my couch with my arms in the air,
1: hooping and hollering. Yeah, I mean, it's true, too, because when Laurel came back to when she shows up on the doorstep in Gen Q, I'll never forget, there was this period of time right after where she was really active on Twitter and she was liking everybody's comments and retweeting stuff. And I remember reading one specifically that said, Tina has returned to the L word. I am here for the Tibet slow burn. And it's so true. It's That's how yeah. it always is with them. I really feel like we're ramping up to something pretty cool. Big.
2: Yeah. yeah we gotta have the wedding we gotta have the wedding we, They had to be divorced so we can get our wedding
0: yeah that's, that's right exactly that's my
2: optimism i am cynical i'm a cynical optimist
0: yeah listen if we manifested that picture of laurel and jordan we can manifest it to bet wedding that's, we can. that's photoshop that's <laughs>
1: Uh,
2: the one where they photoshopped uh, Jennifer in?
1: <laughs> no, no, not that one. The one <laughs> we did—we specifically said, "Can we get a Laurel and Jordan or Tina and Angie selfie?" And we did. We got one. So that episode
0: is forthcoming. Yeah, which is a little spooky. <sighs> Jennifer, were they in is, an elevator? So...
2: Was that an elevator? That was looked no, like
0: an elevator to me. I don't think it was. I think it was just the back of the stage. Oh, not to burst your bubble but I think it was just the back of the soundstage. Because, okay, because elevators do not have, like, tape on them. No, I'm not an actor. That's what I'm asking you, Taylor. I was
2: just hopeful <laughs> it was an elevator and maybe Angie, and that's why she had the coat on. Angie might have, like,
0: the elevator might have opened to Tina getting it on. I mean, in the listen, and, I would love I for know. it to be an elevator. I think, realistically, it was just the back of the set. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Damn it. but we can a pretend can it was the elevator if you want
2: yeah
1: we'll pretend
2: I, until i'm disappointed
1: so we have done a good job of kind of talking and from like a very overview <laughs> type view yeah about who bet is as a character and especially the like emotional turmoil that she lives in a lot of a lot of what we see but she's always seems to be suffering through it alone
0: yeah We talk about that self-destructive tendency that she has. Mm -hmm. And I guess I hadn't put these pieces together before, but you kind of have to wonder how much of that is making it so that she controls people abandoning her. You know, like that tendency to be like, I'm afraid of being left. So I'm going to shove the people I love out the door Because that way, at least I'm controlling their leaving. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be like my mom where it catches me off guard. And suddenly I never see her again.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which like, that's really hard to unwrite. You know, like, I get why she is still struggling with it in Gen Q. Because that is a deep, deep trauma, especially when it is so ingrained as a pattern in your life. Mm
1: -hmm. That's
0: really hard to unwrite.
1: And I also think, too, that when we look at why Bet would never be able to move on from Tina, and like Jennifer says, like, Tina is the love of Bette's life, period. As long as they're alive, there's, a, you know, there's hope. But she put her whole heart out to Tina, and she's yeah. not just going to do that again with someone. Yeah. That was a huge offering to Tina, yeah. like, in the fact that she gave her trust to Tina fully and completely she's just not the type that's gonna like dial back and be like let me try and do that again because number one she loves tina way too damn much and number two there's no way she's gonna risk failing again like she's not gonna risk failing being another failing relationship where she put it all on the line
2: tina is it for her period yeah no one else could ever compare no and when she made her that promise she meant it i will never cheat on you again you know and will you marry me when we get to new york that was it for her. I just would love to know what happened in the, in those 10 years in between.
0: Yeah.
1: the Vanessa Johns on Twitter actually posed a good question this week and said, do you think that the grief of Jenny dying was too much for them to, to navigate as a couple after like once the original series ended? And I, I'm sure it played a role in their Especially relationship. Tina. Oh yeah. Who was much closer with Jenny and the fact yeah. that it happened at their house yeah they were all just ready to kill her i
2: mean shane had just showed tina the negatives in the attic. you know jenny had this bullshit blackmail video that she made through the window everybody had their reasons yeah not that i'm saying none of them none of them killed jenny we know that we know that that's neither here nor there but whether or not it played a role in what led up to their divorce after 10 years and they were only divorced what a year or so once we uh, see them again in you qi q i don't i don't believe it was a jenny factor
1: no i don't think that jenny was part of the reason why they divorced but i'm sure that it changed the, the scope of their their future moving forward from the place where they were where they were just like on this high and so happy to be reunited and they're moving to new york and I, like i'm sure that just like changed a lot that changed life for all of them to have someone yeah. so so deeply ingrained into their group just die
2: and they did it with Dinah
1: it, well, it but did, and Dana. Dana I think still it affects did.
0: them to this
1: day like, yeah 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 they don't talk so about I, jenny in the same light i think they're just trying to brush past like jenny is just it's one and none but she was a pretty intricate part of their group
0: yeah for all her flaws she was oh, yeah Mia
2: is amazing yes yeah. amazing
0: she is i can see it kind of getting new york started in a not as joyful way as it Originally was. Yeah. Because it's like you said, they were on this high, right? They were getting married. They were theoretically trying to adopt a baby, which I guess they just gave up on, which question marks about that. But, and, you know, Tina had this great new job and it was all going to work out. And then all of a sudden, this, their friend dies this horrible death in their home. Yeah. So they kind of, I feel like, left LA. With a bit of a shadow that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And do I think that that was the main reason for the divorce? No. Do I think it maybe made New York a little harder than it would have been otherwise? Yeah.
1: What we know about Beth is that she's complicated and she is layered, and she is even as a girl woman was still dealing with a lot of this unresolved trauma that she had in her life. But what we also know about her is that she's like very steadfast she is devoted she would give it all up and more for her tina she's a great mother and uh, she's a great I get, friend i will a give great her friend. that
0: she's yep. an amazing friend i think even alice even says that in gen q yep. when they're having that interview you know yep. and to give Bet credit she is she is one of the most loyal people mm-hmm. in the world of the show yeah almost to a fault sometimes
1: and she grew a lot for those who are being so critical of like who Bet is in Gen Q. I think for as for as much as she kind of backslid into some of her old patterns, I think that the biggest difference that we can see about Bet, which isn't as glaringly obvious, is that she recognizes where she fucked up. I mean, her even when her and Shane have that interaction and she says, I'm sorry, I wasn't a good friend, when we met Bette season one and two in the original series, she would have never
0: apologized. Like in her she mind wouldn't even realize she did anything wrong. Yeah. Like,
1: she's so much more self-aware than she was back then insensitive to the fact that people have feelings and sometimes she
0: hurts other people's feelings <laughs> you know and that she can be a lot and i think that's why gen q Beth, and tina have a really good chance actually yes yep i agree because i think you know we keep coming back to this theme of Bet's bad at listening and tina's bad at talking Gen Q Tina, we saw, is much better at talking. And I think Gen Q Bet is a lot better at listening. Yeah.
1: And I think that if Tina is going to be around, she is going to see, she's going to fall back in love with the things that drew her into Bet in the beginning. Yeah. It's going to be too hard for her not to because we see Tina repeatedly say all these things that she loves about Bet. And like we've referenced before, Taylor, she's never said that she wants Bet to be different. She never says she wants her to take away from who she is, like her personality. But she did have some issues with how Bet went about doing things. But yeah. who Bet is as a person, Tina
0: has always deeply admired and respected. Right. And it gets back to that thing that Amber was talking about about part of that is because I think that the bet Tina loves so deeply is the real Bet. You know, yes. it's not all the layers. It's not the suit of armor. It's Bette Porter, the deeply flawed, deeply broken human being. Yeah. And so, as not long who as she presents, exactly, not who she
2: presents to the world, but yeah.
0: Right. Yep. And so, as who long she as she is that... her most vulnerable, yeah, her most vulnerable right. self. So, and that is what Tina would never change. Nope. The rest of it, she could take or leave. And I think that, I think it's, shitty that she had to lose almost everything to get there but i think that's one thing i really appreciate about bet and Gen q is that i feel like she almost had to get back to that sort of fundamental who she was and now she can kind of put the armor back on in a healthier way as more of an enhancement than a protection or a deflection yes
2: he knows how to use it She knows what she has and
0: she knows
1: how to use it now. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, Amber, thank you so much for joining us on All Things Tibet Podcast. We appreciate We appreciate your insight and your historical look back about the L word. That's always fun to hear for us newer listeners. Wow, way to make her sound really fucking old, Brittany. (laughs) she's already she she's is. already accepted that she is an owl okay it was hard it was hard getting her to come around to that we but she appreciate does in. your
0: historical insight
1: <laughs> <Cameron>. <laughs> i mean geez, it's been what 17 years now it's historical okay that's that's damn near an adult age this show is almost the like legal age of an adult so yeah thank you so much for being a part of this with us and yeah. coming on thank you for having me yeah so this is episode seven all things bet of the all things to bet podcasts i'm
0: Brittany. i'm taylor i'm amber <laughs> <And> i'll <laughs> see you next time
1: this has been an episode of all things to bet podcast hosted by taylor and Brittany. at this time we do not have any sponsorships but if you're interested in sponsoring us please send us an email at all things at gmail.com we can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under All Things Tibet Podcast. And you can check out our main podcast profile at anchor.fm slash Tibet. We post new episodes every Tuesday, and we send all of our love to the Tibet fandom for their support during this time as we get this brand new podcast off the ground.
0: We will see you next week.